Welcome to another episode of IBSC Exploring Boys Education, a regular podcast produced by the International Boys Schools Coalition and hosted by me, Bruce Collins. I am IBSC's Director of Membership Engagement. Today, Minna Shulman and Kathy Fanamoto speak to us from Canada, where Minna has recently retired from her role as Dean of Students at Selwyn House School and Kathy serves as the head of Selwyn House's elementary school. Furthermore, Laurie Hamilton-Durbin, head of Town School for Boys, joins us from San Francisco in the United States to add her voice to this conversation. But first off, let's listen to some IBSC news. Here in the IBSC office, we're really excited about our first virtual annual conference, which will be held on July 8th and 9th. At this event, you can connect online with colleagues from IBSC schools around the world. You can hear from the IBSC board about the new strategic plan and listen to Dr. Ada Sinekor share about her research into boys and responsible sexual citizenship. Also, you can listen to IBSC action researchers as they share their findings from their research into developing agency in boys' schools. We'll also be celebrating this year's Hawley Jarvis Award. You can register on our website and also check out some of our great bulk registration deals. Additionally, we have some wonderful online classes starting on July 13th. Why don't you check out the Building Leadership in Schools for Boys course, one that we run in collaboration with Circle. One of our more popular courses, Mastery Practice in Teaching Boys, will also start on July 13th, as will Single Gender Education, a course for teachers new to boys' schools. Now, let's turn our attention back to this episode's focus. It is my distinct pleasure to be talking with three women who inspire me no end, and I'm sure will do the same for you as you listen to them share about their journeys in boys' schools. Our conversation in particular focuses on the role of women in leadership in boys' schools. Before diving in, however, I'd like to emphasize that while this episode is about the role of women in boys' schools, it is not only for women. We start this episode by connecting with Kathy and Minna. Kathy, let's start with you. Before we launch into the detail of the role of women in boys' schools, Please share a little of your journey in boys' education and what your role at Selwyn House currently entails. Yeah, so I kind of stumbled into the uh, into into Selwyn House School. I was born and brought up in Montreal in public school, English public school. Though there we have a great population of francophones, we do have a, a good system in English public school. So I started there, ended up at McGill University in education. And in 1979, I graduated and there were not very many uh, public school jobs out there at all for English teachers. There was a real flood of, of teachers in the market. And so I really just, really just stumbled onto a list called the QAIS, uh, which was a list of some private schools, which I have to say that I really didn't know existed. And I applied. And uh, after a couple of interviews, I ended up at Selwyn House. So 1979, in a boys' school, um, in a, a posh neighborhood, which was not my neighborhood, but there, there I was. But I was uh, immediately just felt at home. Uh, I had a, a junior head who was a, a woman who was a very powerful woman, uh, dramatic, creative, but just gave me a sense that she trusted me. 
um, and that uh, I was a very young teacher, 22, and I was surrounded by very um, uh, experienced teachers. So that was exciting, but she really gave me, I think, wings to do what I needed to do. So I, I really appreciated her. A um, couple of years later, she did retire, and um, another fellow came in, a francophone from Belgium, actually. But um, and he too just was another exciting, uh, creative fellow who found, I think, a, a really wanted to make sure that women in the school had an equal voice, and we were elementary at that time and knowing that there was department heads in the senior school, he really wanted the elementary school to have a bit of a, a voice in the school. So he created department heads and I became one of the department heads in math, another gal uh, in for French and another experienced teacher for English. So right away there were three women in positions of somewhat of power, but certainly of decision-making. Um, and that's how I kind of ended up there for the longest time, uh, being the math head and teaching elementary school. I really have taught everything from grades one through seven and um, ended up doing part-time teaching in math and then was director of studies with a, another, another head of the elementary school. And that's kind of about half my career. And all of a sudden, I kind of ended up applying for the head of the elementary school. And I've been there for just about, uh, about half of my career. Uh, so that's kind of how the journey ended. I've only been at Selwyn House School, and it's been uh, exciting and different. Um, so that's, I think, how I really, that's kind of in a nutshell, that's how I got to where I am now. And what about you, Minna? How did you journey into leadership in a boys' school? I moved to um, Montreal in 1989 from after living in New York City. I married a Montrealer, but never thought I was going to live in Montreal. I was working in New York City as the kind of the second to the head. I was, I guess, the vice president of a very large organization that helped crime victims. So I was used to being in leadership positions. I had been in a leadership position, I guess, my second year after graduate school as well as the head of counselors in a small community in Missouri. And um, I got, I, I, when we moved to Montreal, the part of my deal was that we, we had two children then and we were going to try living in Montreal from New York City. And I had negotiated for at least one more child and I had twins. So I couldn't work for a while. Um, I was doing volunteer work. I started, helped started a community um, youth program and doing a variety of kind of part-time work, but I wasn't ready to go full-time. And then a friend of mine told me there was a job opening. Uh, they needed a counselor at Selwyn House and she thought I'd be great. Now, <clears throat> not unlike Kathy, I never had thought about private schools. My background was public school. Um, I guess my university, my graduate school was private, but I never really thought about uh, private uh, elementary or middle schools, but I applied to sell when I immediately felt comfortable. And, and Kathy's head of school at that point, who she was working with, was one of the people who hired me, a woman as well as the headmaster. And I immediately felt comfortable. But this issue of women in the schools came up, I think, right then with my first job, which was as the counselor. I was hired as a counselor, not in a leadership position, just in a counseling position to work with kids and parents and faculty all the way from kindergarten through grade 11. But in the high school, the senior school, there were people on the faculty who kept saying, boys aren't going to want to talk to you. They're going to want to talk to a man. If they really have a problem, they're going to want to talk to a man. Now, I feel that men and women, actually anybody can be one, a wonderful counselor. It, it, it takes time to develop the relationship and trust, but it can be anyone. 
But I also know from being a mother and being in this position for so very long, and I think it goes back to what you're saying, Bruce, that it is a many of these schools, and really our society is still quite patriarchal and hierarchical. Boys and girls often go first to their moms or to a woman to talk about a problem. They may very well be willing and able to share with their fathers, but it takes, or with other men in their lives, but sometimes it takes them uh, kind of a first trial with someone who seems to be more ready to listen and has more, um, maybe more, more um, skills because they've been ingrained in us as women to listen. We're supposed to listen first, do second. Um, so, I, you know, the boys really came. The first year I was so shocked that I was so busy. Now, I did give candy. That didn't hurt. But it certainly was, uh, I learned a lot about the boys in our schools because they were coming by in great numbers. So I started out as the counselor and uh, was often included in the management decisions when it was a social emotional issue or an adjustment issue or there was a parent involved. And the headmaster at that time, I think, did trust me very much, but he um, was working with a budget that didn't allow me to be full-time and... Um, he would talk to me at the end of the day and I would, I kind of took uh, my role is to also be a support to him because the headmaster is such a lonely, lonely position. And I feel like the counselor is very key in being there for the head. And so he and I were quite, quite close. So I knew most about what was going on in the school and wanted to be part of the administration. So when the new head came on and saw who I was and what I was doing, he immediately said, stay, come full time, take a new position. Um, not immediately, I guess within six months, and become our dean of students. And that's what happened. So I did give up my part-time position and, and probably very happy to do that and came up to the management level and became the dean of students. Thank you so much both for sharing your journeys. I think it gives us good background and context for the conversation we're going to have today. Because unfortunately, in many contexts, women have not necessarily been given the opportunities to lead as both of you have. In some cases, a woman's role is stereotyped and women are pigeonholed into holding certain predetermined responsibilities. I'm wondering then how you both see this playing out in the boys' school context, being aware of the fact that it is so important for boys to see women fulfilling various roles in their schools, especially leadership roles and positions of influence. Would it be fair to say that boys' schools around the world can learn from your experience at Selwyn House School? Well, I think we're in a particularly um, uh, positive place in Montreal. It's a community that really um, embraces difference. It embraces families. I mean, there, there are issues sometimes between English and French, but for the most part, it's a, it's a very advanced kind of uh, society that all kinds of people can be in leadership, all kinds of people can do all kinds of jobs, you know, from the nursery school teachers that are male, to, it, it, there's a great, great variety. Plus I had been in New York and plus I'm, I'm older than Kathy and I was with, I was really part of the feminist movement and, um, and trying to get more power as a woman or equal power, not more power, but more, more power than we had. And so I had the expectation that women could be in leadership. And I think for the most part, Selwyn House was not against that in their leadership. But there were teachers, certainly, who had come in, up through the system, probably had always worked at Selwyn House, who had been in the kind of the traditional school model where, where uh, 
they were the sage on the stage and the boys were not supposed to talk back or ask questions or those kinds of things. I think they had trouble with some of the women in leadership and did pigeonhole us. And I think depending on where you are geographically in the world, there, there might be more of that than there is in Montreal. But I think both Kathy and I felt that there were times in staff meetings, certainly in the senior school, that women, if they spoke, you know, there were the people rolled their eyes. They didn't want to hear what we had to say. You had to be very, very careful to tread lightly. You had to be very supportive of the men, men to get your, your feelings across at times. And that was very hard in the beginning of my career. I haven't felt that in the last 10 years or so, but certainly in the beginning. And, and I think that I was held to a very high level before the men trusted me. I remember um, I gave a, a gift to our headmaster when he was leaving in front of an assembly and two different people that like somebody who was high up in the athletic department and somebody who was high up in the math department, both men came up to me afterwards and said, we had no idea you were so capable. I just gave a little toast to the headmaster, but they weren't, they never really wanted to listen to what I had to say, one, because I was a counselor, two, I wasn't a teacher, three, I think, or maybe one, was because I was a woman. So, Kathy, in your opinion, how important is it for boys to see women in leadership positions in their schools? It's absolutely important, but I think, uh, as Minna mentioned, it's it's really the person. I mean, yes, it's it's the woman's role. We, I think, we're seen as a mothering, but it's so important that I think that I'm go- really going back to this, my very beginnings that I was really valued as a person. And I rarely felt that it, I was being um, put in a position of leadership because I was a woman. I just felt that the heads and the my superiors who, who asked me to do these jobs really valued me as a person. So I really think that in the eyes of the children, women, everyone just needs to be recognized and valued. And it's not just tokenism. It is you are there because they trust you. And when you have that trust, yes, you're going to have teachers and other people around you who wonder. But I think in the eyes of the children, we need to have that value. And I think whether you're the head of a school or whether you are working alongside, uh, my assistant is a woman. And I think she has more power than anybody because the boys respect her, trust her. Going to our, you know, the some of the women that work in other parts of the school who are not teachers, I think giving them that ownership of whatever their job is and the boys understanding that, yes, there's part of a community, but we're important. And I guess it's really coming down to even how a great family works together. When the two partners are working together, that you're working in tandem, whether it's a mom or a dad or two dads or two moms, it's just that partnership that you listen to one another and your children understand that it's a partnership and that you both have value and you both have a little bit of power. That, that, so it's that valuing of the person. Obviously for women, I think in a boys' school, it's really important that your head and everyone around you are, yeah, it just, it's that supportive position. And it's not just a face, but it's really a competent person and, and you're valued as a person first and you happen to be a woman. And I would, I would agree with that very much and, 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 and take it even a step further. I think you get hired and you are Uh, respected for the competence that you bring to the position. But I think boys and girls, but boys really need to see all kinds of people in leadership positions. They need to know that this is the world they're going in. We're trying to build great men. They need to be open to being uh, working with and working alongside and working for all kinds of people. 
But I, uh, another step further would be that it's so important, I think, for the moms and dads to see women in leadership in these boys' schools. There are many parents who want their boys to become a certain kind of man, and they, and they put their child in a boys' school for that reason. And I don't think they expect, on the whole, that they're going to have women in leadership. I'm talking about certain families. And it's very, very important for them to see women and people of color and different gender uh, identities to be in leadership um, so that they can see that this is a world we are making a new world for our boys, for our children. We are opening the world for these children. As you have both been speaking, it's becoming clear to me that a strong leadership team is really important in a school. And both of you have been fortunate enough to be part of leadership teams where women are valued and given opportunity. Kathy, if you were able to highlight the key ways a school leadership team could help women flourish in leadership in boys' schools, what advice would you be sharing with them? Well, I think that the choice is a deliberate choice. I think when I go back, um, again, going back into the history, we're at the high school level for the longest time. There were It was just a male teacher um, place. And my sort of my second headmaster that I worked under really deliberately went out looking for, again, a great teacher, but he had in mind that he really wanted women in places where in the math department, in the computer science department. So I think as a leadership team, when you have an opportunity to hire, um, I think as a team, you need to look at what's the next step for this school. As Minna said, how do we, how do we bring the world to the boys? How do we represent the world to the boys? So I think as a faculty and as certainly as a leadership team, you're always looking to say, what would be best next? What's the next best step? And sometimes uh, I, have, I would say as an elementary director, I look for male teachers because in fact, in the elementary sector, there's often more female than male teachers. So I do go out in, in my head thinking, gee, I would love to see what a male teacher would be like in this grade. To be very honest, sometimes I in interview the male, but I think, I think the better person is this woman because of the competency. So it, but I think to have that open mind and to really continually to think about how do you build this world that yes, we're preparing those boys for, but we can kind of replicate it here to give them an example and role models that will, you know, inspire them and open their eyes that there is possibility beyond maybe their family unit and their, and their, maybe their family beliefs. And I think it has to be, you, you know, you really have to walk the talk. Because I think we, Kathy and I have both been blessed to work with uh, a wonderful headmaster these last uh, 11 years. And before, our other headmaster was really fabulous too. And, and both of the headmasters clearly conveyed trust and respect for the people that they were working with. So in the leadership team, you didn't get a feeling that there was somebody that was not of value. Everybody was of value. The kids saw it. They saw the relationship between the headmaster and myself talking in the hallway, or if I was, a, I'm as a dean of students, I was in most uh, discipline issues too. And sometimes I was the hardest on the kids because I'd been working with them on issues that they were not holding their own on and, uh, and kind of messing up yet again because they wanted to or whatever. So I might be the hardest on the child. And I think that was helpful too for, for children and the families to see, yes, I'm a woman. Yes, I care about you and your child immensely. And because I do, I really think he has to be held to, a, to the standard that we have set for him. Um, but I think there was never a question from the boys that we, we, the women in leadership and the women in the faculty were important to the administration 
and often when they saw us with the board members as with the board as well. The board might have had a little bit more trouble with so many women because a lot of the board members were old boys, were graduates of our school, and they were not used to seeing so many women in leadership when they were in, uh, when they were children themselves. But I think they too came around when they saw that we were able to produce, we were competent, we were caring, we loved the school, we loved the boys, we loved the families, we were there to make the community really work. And just to go back to, to that, I think that, um, so prior to to our, Hal, who's the last what, 11 years with us, that Will Mitchell, who brought us into that position of power, invited us to the board meeting every month. And it, we didn't have a vote, but I think it was his way of making sure that the board understood that we were valued, we were a part of the system. So it really has to be in a in a school that is maybe struggling with women in leadership. It really just isn't just the head. It needs to be that sense of community from the board level up. And sometimes you have to convince the board. So this was the way that I think the head did. He made sure that we had a voice, that they could uh, ask us questions, that and they could recognize that we were competent and knew what we were doing and we were women. And then to flip that advice on its head, Minna, what would you say to women who are in boys' schools who have a real desire to step into leadership? One of the first things I'd say to any women who are, are coming into the boys' school setting in any position is to really be true to yourself, to be yourself. Because there is a kind of a, it's uncomfortable at first. Any new work environment is uncomfortable. You've got to find your way and you've got to find your voice. But I, I know that for me, kind of watching new teachers come in in the very beginning when I was there and also feeling it myself, I was wondering, do I need to be louder? Do I need to be more uh, jokey than I really am? Do I need to be more athletic than I really am? Do I, how do I get involved in this community and feel accepted by the faculty, not by the kids? The kids accept you. They get you pretty quickly for who you are and, and respond to who you are. But I would say you really need to come in and feel, be yourself, be yourself, take your time, find your way, find your voice, but be yourself. Do not try to be anyone else and don't try to fit in any kind of pigeonhole about what it would be like to be a woman in a man's world. I think it's, this is our world. This is the world. We are helping set the tone for the school and for the, these boys to grow up in this world. Yeah, and I agree with Minna. I just, I, I would just say stick to the beliefs. Obviously, I think we're open. We're looking to build relationships. So, you know, the, the changing of mind is fine, but really it is that sticking to your belief. I sometimes think that I maybe I can't get inside a boy's mind and that's okay. There are other people there to maybe figure out what's going on, but I also still think that sticking to your belief because I can be a role model for maybe the person's reactions to the actions of some of these little boys. So I do think it's important for women coming to a boys' school. I would say really just throw out your skill at that moment. Don't worry about being a teacher or a head of the school. It's really all about the relationship and the boys will accept you quickly if you're true to that. And so I think it comes across very quickly that you stick to those beliefs. You're open enough, um, but you really build relationship before you think about all the other maybe attributes and skills that you are bringing to the job. Your job really is to build that relationship around your own beliefs. Right. And to really, you know, share and demonstrate your love of children. And with that as a voice, we're not there to um, you know, change that boys are going to be, uh, you know, active and, and silly and funny and all that. We just, we need to embrace that and, and 
And I think one of the things that I feel so strongly about in our school and in our leadership team as well, when you bump into a parent, they know we love their kids. They know we get boys. They know we're working very hard to understand boys. And when there is a problem where we don't quite get that boy, most of the time the parents are having the struggle too. So we're in the game together. We're trying to figure out how do we connect better. And there's very few boys, I think, on the whole 20 years that I've been there and the many years that Kathy's been there, I think there's been very few boys that both of us have felt like we have not quite gotten. We haven't been able to connect with. I can't think of any at the moment. Um, so just making sure that that's our number one goal, as Kathy said, relationships, be, connecting, really letting people know that we care and we're there. Yeah, that's the energy, the predictable, unpredictability of boys that you really have to embrace. Yeah, I think that unabashed emotion, it's either love or anger at the moment, but it's that honest relationship that I think really just women coming into the school, perhaps if they've been in a girl's school, it's a little bit of a different energy. And I just think that the reward is kind of tangled up in all the all that love and and energy. And it's building again that relationship with the boy and the parent and of course the faculty. So it's it is a bit of a tangled web, but it's a, it's always exciting and you never know what's on your to do list. So true. So true. And it's messy. A lot of times it's messy and that's kind of great too. So you can't be one who needs it not messy. I think that's it. I think the uh, unscheduled tasks, right? I was talking about a to-do list, which I'd always figure out in the evening, but it's that unscheduled tasks that just are are part of the relationship building. And that's the normal part of your day. So if you have something on a to-do list, it's probably not that important. What's more important is being in the moment with the kids teachers, faculty, family, where you need to be. So true. So true. Both of you have shared such rich insights and your thoughts and experience, I believe, will challenge and help many in the coalition. I would like to end this segment with both of you on a reflective note, however. Um, What is it for you both that you love about being involved in boys' education? Uh, Kathy, let's, let's start with you. Yeah, I think I've I probably said it all. I think it really is that energy. It's they're just so open. They are ready to learn, and even if, even when they're having a bad day and they're not ready to learn, that it's the openness, the honesty of of their emotion, and it I just it, it just gives me the energy to to go on. And I think too that the, the it's just pure honesty. Like they're, they're very little role playing, particularly in the young years. And even as you if you've developed that relationship in the young years, and certainly Kathy and I had the luxury of starting with the boys pretty young. Even if they came in in middle school, then I was there, and then through uh, senior school, it, they're just honest with who they are. They're not really out there to please you until you are established with them, and then they're working with you. It's not really to please you, but to but you're on the same team. So that I love. I also, I grew up with four brothers. I, everybody was kind of pigeonholed to who they were. I felt like, you know, I had the smart brother. I had the, the well-dressed brother. I had the sensitive brother, that kind of thing. And I really feel like I have gifts that I want to share with boys and their families to help them be all kinds of things in one boy and to bring out everything that the boy has inside of him and that, and the world has to offer him. So that I love. I just feel like we're, we have the chance to make a better world for the boys, for their partners in the future, as I've said before, for our communities, for the world, because a lot of times boys are just stuck 
Like if we think women in school, boys schools are stuck in a pigeonhole, I think boys are stuck in a pigeonhole at times. And we want to really work to change that, to open up their horizons and, and embrace their many wonderful, wonderful attributes. I think that's right. I think really that's the other thing that I tell, you know, tell myself and tell the teachers that we sometimes think of boys being that energetic, honest boy, but they're, it's a, it's a big basket of people. And we have to make sure that we're, our antenna are attuned to those boys who are introverts and boys who are musicians and boys who are athletes. So it really is that big basket of people. Again, going back to we're just people and we just need to value each other. And really, sometimes you have to dig. Um, some boys, as I say, are mostly honest, but some boys are that introverts. So you have to, you do have to know when you want to dig deep a little bit to, to create that relationship. So again, that's, that's also an exciting part because sometimes it's easy and sometimes you know that you've got to really work a little bit harder and that's almost as, as exciting and as energizing for me as just that open, honest boy that is easy to maybe figure out where he's coming from. Right. And I think that one of the things that women in the boys' schools have added have allowed to happen or exactly what Kathy and I are talking about to not expect that every boy is going to be athletic, academic, uh, a serious debater or whatever it may be, but to open it up so that boys and boys schools can be themselves. They can learn new skills. They can try new skills. It's a safe place. They can make mistakes. They can succeed or not succeed in, in terms of awards or whatever, but they are learning new skills and open to new skills and trying new ways when I first got to Selwyn House, I felt that many of the senior boys were very, very pigeonholed, and it was really hard for them. I, there were a lot of tears in the, the grade 11 class because they felt they weren't living up to this strong, strong male model that the teachers were expecting of them and their fathers were expecting of them. I haven't felt that in the recent years, and I don't know if Kathy would agree or not agree. I think we have opened this up. We are a more kinder, gentler community than we were when I first came, and I think it, it's pervasive and it's helping the parents be less worried about who their boys are or what their boys are becoming, but who, taking time to get to know who their boys are and loving them for who they are. Such important and rich thoughts from Minna and Kathy. I'm so incredibly grateful for the opportunity I had to be in conversation with them. Next, we head to San Francisco to catch up with the head of Town School for Boys, Laurie Hamilton Durbin. Similarly, my conversation with Laurie yielded rich and challenging insights. Laurie, I'd, I'd love to hear a little of your journey in boys' education, uh, particularly your decision to accept a position as head of a boys school sure well i'm in year three uh just finishing up year three as a head of school and prior to that i had worked only in co-ed schools uh both in k through eight k through 12 as well as just high schools and um so my experience wasn't directly in boys school i i think that when i applied for this role it was a combination of factors that had to do with where the school was in its journey, the areas that it was uh, putting forth that it wanted to continue to grow around or improve upon, and the match that that had with my own interests and desires. Um, you know, fundamentally, I had been somebody who had taught and coached and uh, worked as an administrator for many years and often found myself assigned sometimes those boys that um, 
were a little rambunctious, needed a little extra support. Um, I coached boys in my career. So I don't think I saw it as something that was out of my realm. In fact, I was unaware that there hadn't been a woman head of school at at that time. Um, And so I think I crossed the threshold really from the, the vantage point of just what was uh, exciting and unique and inspiring around this particular role. And then as I got deeper into it, the elements of, uh, you know, what was specific to a boy's education made it all the more interesting, um, primarily in the realm of thinking about, you know, how do you develop character in young men and the emotional intelligence in boys so that they can be um, their best selves and succeed as as much as possible in this different world that we have today than we've had in the past and the world that they'll encounter in the future. So coming out of that co-ed environment into a boys' school environment, what is it in the last three years that you have loved most about educating boys, about being involved in a boys' Mm -hmm. school? You know, I love... Um, there's a playfulness to boys and a joy that is uh, un, um, untempered. Uh, and uh, some of the constraining elements that I think can happen in the co-ed world aren't there in terms of how boys identify or what parts of their personalities they show at various ages. So, you know, the youthfulness and the... Um, optimism, I think, takes hold for longer. Uh, there are greater spaces for boys to share the full continuum of who they are as human beings. So, you know, for example, um, in our school, you know, when a boy fall down, falls down and hurts himself, it's another boy that goes over and consoles him and puts his arms around him and makes him feel better. In a, in a co-ed environment, that's usually a girl. Um, in a boys' environment, boys get to explore all elements of, you know, academics, personal expression, the arts, uh, without anything being out of bounds. Everything is boy. And I, I think it's exciting to then think about how do you also tailor the education and the experience so that you're able to protect that and keep it as expansive as possible for as long as possible. So, you know, being intentional and deliberate around what are the messages that the media sends a young man about what it means to be a man, and then how then do we teach um, to break through that and let a boy decide for himself instead. Uh, So I like that there's this very purposeful work. Uh, It's challenging. It's unique. It's different. I love the energy of being in a boys' school. uh, And... I think that um, I love that at this particular school, we have had the resources to do things like open a brand new theater program at the same time that we have a really strong athletics program. So you're you're constantly sort of thinking about, you know, multiple dimensions uh, and that engagement, that challenge and having a great team of people to do it with is fabulous. What is your approach to leadership in a boys' school, um, considering that schools have multiple stakeholders, the, the students, faculty, parents, community, and, and probably part of your role is to tie all those together? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I don't know that my approach is hugely different than it's been in a co-ed environment. I, I think 
The caveat I would give with that is it was important and remains important for obviously the boys and the parents to feel that I genuinely like and appreciate boys and that I uh, am, am somebody who's a proponent of building upon what is already good and inherent in boys as opposed to approaching it as though something needs to be fixed. And I think that can be mapped on a woman in a different way than it would be a man, because there can be the uh, perceived belief that, you know, well, she might not just get it. And so building the trust and the support and um, the authenticity around my love and care for who boys are has to be very present. Um, So I think you know, my intentionality, um, it comes with ease for me, but it is something I make sure I display regularly and often and that I express it more than I think a man would need to, um, because I think by default, the man would be given that as an understanding. Um, other than that, my approach to leadership is um, to be myself, uh, to, you know, be somebody who communicates clearly and and collaborates with a community around what the vision is and then harnesses the resources and cultivates the capacities and um, plans and sort of pulls things together in order to make that happen. Um, I think that I uh, am a big believer that you can't lead a school individually and as a leader, you are always actually working in service. And um, when people feel a strong relationship with the leader and those things are present, I think a lot of things can unfold uh, very well. Uh, I'd, I'd like to sort of hang on one one of the things you alluded to here, and that is, especially in the traditional context of boys' schools, often women have been stereotyped or limited to certain roles within a school and and not others. Uh, You've broken that mold by being the head of a boys' school. In your opinion, how would you define the role of women in boys' schools? I think when we hold too strongly that there's something for women and there's something for men, we're reinforcing the very thing that we're trying to message to the boys that isn't true. Uh, And so I don't see that there is one role or another. I think that um, we need to be intentional in boys' schools at having role models, male and female, that represent very different kinds of human beings and different ways of expressing themselves. Um, Maybe being intentional that you have, you know, the female math teacher or the male art teacher, you know, is helpful to that. Um, I think, you know, in the U.S. at least, women dominate education. And so the role of the female in an educational program has always been extremely uh, strong and present. I think in an all-boys school, you want to be sure that amongst those women, you have you know, multiple types and those that might display some of the characteristics and qualities that are traditionally thought of as as masculine. Uh, although my hope is that by the fact that women are embodying them, that one of the things that we're doing is immediately 
helping the boys and maybe the men and the other adults in the community to understand that that's, there's a falseness to that. Um, I think that, you know, women uh, need to be seen for the leadership skills that they bring. And oftentimes a traditional, maybe even old fashioned sense of what leadership looks like undervalues some of the skills that women may have more developed than men have um, in general. Again, you know, it's sort of, you know, how, how are we shaped by society? Where have we landed? And then how do we reinforce that versus how do we actually counteract that? Um, so the role of the woman is the same as the man in school. It's to, to you know, love the students, to create an intentional and joyous and challenging academic journey where boys come to know themselves and, and reach their greatest potential. Um, and to partner with others and, and parents included to do that. And I agree with you fully. And I, I suppose that in contexts where the male role, so to speak, is seen as more significant and shifts in culture need to happen, um, this conversation is really, really important. If you were advising leadership teams around the importance of women in boys' education, and maybe you've alluded to some of these things already, but what are some of the things that you would be highlighting about pursuing um, women in leadership roles in particular? I think when a leadership team wants to pursue something, one of the first questions they need to ask themselves is what do they need to learn uh, in order to make that happen? And so I think the conversation starts with at the leadership team level, what is their understanding? What are their beliefs around what leadership is, where it comes from, and what is the value of having diverse perspectives and experiences as part of a leadership group? And, you know, there's significant amount of research out there about how, you know, organizations, teams are strengthened by having diverse perspectives. And until a group comes to believe that and hold that um, in their hearts, they're really not going to achieve the outcomes that they might say they want. So, you know, there's an introspection part of this and maybe a, you know, a learning journey, a uh, team building sort of exploration. And then it's about, um, you know, what are the systems and structures and how are we messaging what we value as a community? Um, if those things default to categories that can be named as traditionally male, you know, all sports awards, um, you know, debate awards, uh, science things, and there is no equal presence of what might have been traditionally, you know, feminine uh, sort of artistic expression or thinking about how classrooms are balanced to the introverts or, uh, you know, poetry slams. Um, it's very difficult to create a culture then where, you know, A, women will be attracted to and want to be uh, and will feel successful. Uh, and then B, where, you know, once there, they'll have that pathway for leadership. So, you know, there's a cultural component, there's an inward component. 
Um, I also think that, um, you know, setting clear goals. Now, why do you want women there and, and what is it they're going to do? And then how will you make that happen? But usually none of that happens unless there's a real target. Um, and that's not about, uh, you know, quotas per se, as much as it is like a commitment to growth. Um, there's some, you know, good leadership reading out there um, around, uh, you know, what makes a good leader. And one of the things I'm a big fan of Jim Collins, James Collins, and, you know, he's got three categories, fanatic discipline, empirical creativity, and productive paranoia. And that empirical creativity, like the data, you know, how many women applied for the job and got to the final round of energy interview. It's the same thing with hiring, you know, faculty and, and administrators of color. Um, there has to be a deliberateness to it. And then there have to be people who serve as the mentors um, and those that will point out to leadership when potentially uh, they're not seeing things that are getting in the way. Um, so I'm not sure I answered that completely, I, uh, but you know, it's a lot of commitment and, and work um, and introspection, I guess I would say. What would you say are some of the challenges or hurdles that women in boys' schools might face, especially those women who are are actively pursuing leadership or who are in leadership roles? Um, you know, I think that there can be um, practices and patterns that can marginalize voices at the table. So uh, I, I think even how you run a meeting and the ways in which you structure situations so that all voices at the table can be heard um the you know histories and traditions of who holds the power can get reinforced unless uh, one is deliberate about a structure to kind of counterbalance that so you know there is a lot of research out there about how, how you run a good meeting you know in order to harness the diverse perspectives at the table uh and i think um that's something that needs to happen i guess you know, the other hurdles that are there. Um, I, I do think that you, uh, the woman needs to make sure that, that she has a strong relationship with the boys. Um, I have heard women complain that the boys don't respect me like they do the men. And then upon further investigation, I'm not sure that if that woman had been male, the boys would have respected her either because really at the core of it was the depth of relationship and, you know, mutual respect that needed to be built upon. Um, and so I also think there's, you know, work inherent for any teacher, male or female, to ensure that the starting point is from this place of respect and not one of uh, wanting to fix, you know, as you come in with, with an agenda on any group of young people, they're likely to push back. And I think that can have a rippling effect um, in and amongst men who also can sense when a woman uh, sees them as broken and has an agenda. And so part of this is coming in with that perspective of we're really all in this together and we have shared motivations and desires. So there's responsibility for, for the woman in this. Um, and then I would say, you know, for men need to take the role of being the mentors uh, and they need to be willing to challenge other men when they see it not happening. 
And, you know, I've seen that at in multiple forms and I continue to see it even now when I'm in situations where I'm one of the few women at the table and an idea gets voiced and uh, by me. And then five minutes later, another man says it. And now all of a sudden it's taken up. I, you know, there are men that will say, gosh, I think Lori mentioned that five minutes ago. And it's, it's a small gesture, but I think it gets noted. Um, so again, it's sort of the, the active engagement with the process and the journey. There's nothing that you can do to flip the switch. For the woman who wants to be that leader, you know, my advice is the same as it is for the young men, but it's to make sure you are stepping up and uh, for as many opportunities as possible and that you're, you're developing a versatility uh, and a large scope of knowledge about how a school and an institution runs and strengthening your skills. And then be sure that the people around and above you know that you're doing it. I think the difference between women and men many times in the workforce is that the man is more comfortable being self-promoting or exuding confidence than the woman is. And, and many women need to learn how to become comfortable with that and in their own way. But um, women can downplay while, while men will upplay. And that can have repercussions in sort of leadership selection processes. In wrapping up, I'd like to reflect on something Laurie mentioned earlier. Diversity in school faculty and administration, or any organization for that matter, is good for everyone. According to the Harvard Business Review, significant research has shown that diverse teams can develop more innovative ideas. When people from different contexts work together, their unique perspectives often lead to greater creativity. Diverse leaders were more likely to create an environment where new creative ideas were considered, and diverse teams, they found, were more likely to have some common experiences with their end user. With this advantage, teams created better products. Definitely food for thought. So, thank you, Laurie, Minna and Kathy, for your time and willingness to share your experience and ideas. And thank you to you, our listeners, for supporting us in this first season of Exploring Boys Education. Our next episode will wrap up Season 1 with some highlights from our most played episodes and some new content to get you thinking. As usual, if you have any thoughts to share about what you have heard, please send me a voice note via email to collins at the ibsc.org or WhatsApp me on plus two seven seven one. 8911-898. More soon. Until then, keep safe and well.